Good evening. If you've got a, a Bible, we're going to look at Isaiah 26. And we're looking at this series, Promises, 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 Promises. Um, and we're looking at promises particularly that we find in Scripture about peace in this Christmas season. So Isaiah 26 and verses 1 to 6. In that day this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God makes salvation. Its walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. Well, I, I wonder what you do when, I don't know what your front door's like, but if you're able to see kind of through the blurry glass, when you see very red coats or around where, I'm, where I used to live, it was purple coats. And I knew when those coats were coming around five, six o'clock, that it was community fiber. And I thought, oh no, what do I do? I don't want to get the door. So, and they'd come quite regularly uh, and knock on the door, whether it's red coats, yellow or purple, you spot them off from far away, don't you? And you you don't really want to have to have a conversation. Maybe you do. Maybe you, you let them in and everything like that. But I did develop a tactic where I would see those purple coats and I would shout to Heidi, who was working from home, it's for you. And, I would, uh, and then she would go and have to deal with the situation. I want you to imagine the situation where you're sitting at home very comfortably. Um, you're relaxing and you hear the doorbell. You open the door and glaring and sneering at you is Satan. Um, is the one who is, the Bible describes as a thief, as an accuser, as a liar, someone whom has plenty of dirt on you. And just imagine this, you slam the door on him, and you shout behind you, Jesus is for you. And as I read this scripture, that illustration came to mind that James very helpfully pointed out those Jesus's way for our life, the way of peace, but then also what Satan would want for us and how he would want to tie us, us out, lead us to a place of uh, rudderlessness and despair and tiredness and keep us busy um, but with no purpose and now actually if we want to face up to the pressures of the devil the world and the flesh that we we needn't worry but we need to just turn to Jesus 
who can deal with the enemy. And so this verse says, you will keep in perfect peace, verse 3, those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I love that phrase, perfect peace. That word peace is, of course, referring to the word shalom. Shalom is all about unbroken, unbrokenness, when everything is whole, when everything's just as it should be. So you have a description there of shalom, shalom. You shall have unbroken, unbrokenness. Can you imagine that? Not just having peace for a moment or in a season, but actually living with perfect peace all the time. A peace that will keep you steadfast and stable. I wonder if you describe, if you think of yourself as a stable person. Are you emotionally stable? Or do you get very angry, very emotional about things? Are you secure and content in life? Or are you quite distracted and anxious? There's a promise here about peace that God is the God who helps us, helps those who are a bit wobbly, a bit insecure, and that if we just steady ourselves and focus on the Lord, he will give us that perfect peace. So really the message this evening is all you need to do if you want to have a life of perfect peace unbroken unbrokenness all you need to do is 24 7 focus your minds on jesus i'm finished that's easy to do isn't it really easy of course it's not well let's just think about it like this and the importance of trusting jesus and how we can start to do that now i've got quite a young young son who's only three um so maybe thinking about when a child's a bit older, if maybe you've, some of us have teenagers or have gone through that uh, season, it would really s- grieve a parent if they felt their child couldn't trust them. be really sad if they felt that their child of whatever age, maybe in teenage years, are finding things quite difficult and they never want to talk to their parent about anything. They don't trust their parent for anything. That would really sadden and grieve you as a parent and of course the same is with God is if we've got so much going on in our life and our steadfastness is not in him but actually we're focused on trusting in other things well how do we remain stable how do we remain fixed and focused on Jesus who will give us this peace Romans 12, I think I've put it up there, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I want to spend a few minutes this evening looking at how do we actually nurture our minds to focus on God and We know he is our eternal rock, as Isaiah 26.4 says, but how do we remain on that rock? How do we make sure that he is the rock who becomes our anchor, is the one that keeps us stable? And, And the key really to it all is we need to be good at meditating. Now, I don't know what conjures up in your mind when you think of meditation. 
Maybe that seems a bit new agey to be someone who meditates. But the word for meditate in the Hebrew uh, is the word haga. And it basically means to muse, to think over, to ponder, to reflect, to really mull over something. Now, um, we had a good selection of biscuits. Maybe you got to eat a biscuit. What I hope you didn't do this evening is get a biscuit, lick it, and put it back. <laughs> that is not how you get all the good... Well, it's not very nutritious, but that's not how you get all the good stuff out of the biscuit. No, you kind of... You have to, I have to tell my son sometimes who stuffs his face, practice mindful eating. Now, eat slowly. Enjoy it. It's not a race. We want to enjoy what we're eating. And it does feel sometimes like, uh, in my Bible reading, maybe in your own, that we are just kind of, rather than getting all the nourishment out of it, we're kind of just like we lick a biscuit and put it back. We're not really, we're just skim reading the Bible. We're just kind of working our way through it, but we're not really slowing down, mulling over, tasting and seeing, whoa, this is good. God is good. Wow, this could impact my life. Wow, this could speak into my day. And actually being formed and transformed by Scripture to make sure that we take those steps where we really do know what God's will is, that we know how to walk in a way where we will be pleasing to him, where we will be stable in him. If we go to the next slide, do you know how many stomachs a cow has? What was that, Anthony? Four? Any takers on four? Well, I thought it was four as well until I went on a very reliable website and it told me cows only have one stomach. They have four compartments to their stomach. Ah, so you didn't think you'd get a biology lesson this evening? But there we go. And um, of course, there's this stages of digestion, which I won't tell you much about because I don't quite understand it but they don't really even chew the grass very much it just kind of goes in there and then it goes into one compartment of the stomach and then they sort of get all the nutrition out of it then it gets regurgitated up and then back into another one and you, you get the drift but they know how to really get the goodness out of that grass and uh, there's someone in the Bible that seemed to have a good understanding of that. Someone who was far from perfect. Someone who made some very bad decisions, but knew how to meditate. So, Psalm chapter 1. Really, the psalmist talks about, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord. And what do they do? I think the passage is up there. They meditate on God's law day and night. I think in life, our life should not be known primarily by what we do, but by where we dwell. Think about that. Ponder that for a moment if you'd like. Mull over that. I want my life not to be known primarily about what I have done, but where I have dwelt. 
that, yeah, we're going to get on with a day. It's going to be a busy day. But where are we dwelling? Where are we really meditating as we go throughout the day? A few things, uh, a few practical things as we look at this whole theme of how do we really meditate on Scripture to be stabilized by it so that we can have that perfect peace. So if we go, oh, they're up there, brilliant. So the first thing uh, that I've found helpful, and, and maybe we'll get to share a bit about this together later, is it's so important that when we come to Scripture, we come open. I was just reading in my devotion the other day, Mary, after the appearance of the angel, Mary says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And I just love that. That she hears God's word. We receive, when we read the Bible, that sense of a posture that although we may not physically bow down, we might do that, we might find that helpful, it keeps us awake. But there's a real sense that I'm coming to your word, Lord, I have no idea what I'm about to encounter, but I submit to what it says. Do you come to the Bible like that? If you do, that will slow you down. Get in yourself into the right posture with an open heart. We also need to do something with our actual bodies. I found if I really want to meditate on Scripture, I not only need to not lie to God, but say, no, I am really open. I will do what it says. Just reveal it to me is we also need to slow down. And that's hard, but maybe some of you find it's useful to just breathe in and breathe out. I'm not even doing it properly now. I've kind of forgotten how to breathe properly. But it's such an important thing to do. And as you do that just a few times, you find that all the external noise and busyness of life and then the internal noise all begins to just slow and dare we say, maybe things outside just stop for a moment. And I'm not saying that this is happening in your life every day, but this is a good thing to aim for once in a while. So come open, slow down, read slowly. Have you tried doing that when you meditate on Scripture? I think um, we really should go for quality over quantity. Maybe if you've just become a Christian, you want to get to know the whole story of the Bible, then yeah, read through it in big chunks, but eventually get to a point where you can really hone in on just maybe one chapter a day or every couple of days where you can have a chunk to really start to reflect on. Then as you read it, think about maybe a phrase that sticks out. So when I was reading um, Isaiah 9, very familiar passage, um, I just felt Holy Spirit prompted me to particularly look at this whole idea of the government being on Jesus' Jesus's shoulders and then thinking about that phrase that the weight of the world is upon his or her shoulders and really got me mulling over and then obviously out of that, you know, produced a sermon from it. So who knows what might happen. So what sticks out? Write it down. Do you ever write down a key phrase from the Bible? Because then maybe you've got something to ponder over throughout the day, to think over, to pray over. So write it down. Maybe even memorize it. I know Michael and Gracie do a bit of the drill with the kids, really getting them to memorize the Scripture. That's an art that's often been lost. I have to say to my embarrassment, quite often in a service, I'll be on my phone just Googling a Bible text just to check 
what is a, a helpful text, because I haven't really remembered the exact wording or where it's found. It's good. We need to be equipped. We need to know the Scripture. It needs to be in our minds so that when we go through the busyness of our day, that phrase may keep coming back to us and God can speak through it. Then it's really important if we write it down, if we kind of own that, that we pray over it. Do you find when there's a, a phrase that comes out and sticks out that you know God is speaking to you about, that you are praying over it then? And then also, have you, do you do this in your times with the Lord? Do you have a, a chewing time? So this is something um, I'm in a bad habit of, but it's good to do. Maybe pick a time a few hours later and set an alarm. And just for that minute, go back to that phrase, pray over it, think about the development of your day, and maybe how God has revealed more about that verse. And then the importance of repeating this. So there's just a, a few things, and that sounds like quite a long list really, but how I find it helpful to meditate, to, to mull over, to get to that point where I'm actually not just reading and skim-reading Scripture, but I am actually basking in it and really saying, Lord, speak to me through it. Let's go to the next slide. I just thought it would be good to practice this, to do a bit of an exercise. So not a physical exercise, but just an exercise in meditating, what Christian meditation looks like. So I'll leave those prompters up there. And if you have a Bible... As I say, quality, let's just look at a couple of verses. But if you could turn to 1 John 1, 5 to 7. And I'm going to give us seven minutes to read over. Come open, slow down, do those various parts. And let's see how the Lord may speak to us. Just a couple of verses, or three verses. But let's see what riches, what nourishment the Holy Spirit might bring out of us as we give ourselves to this. I've got some pieces of paper here. We must practice. We said to write down, but you don't actually have to write it down. There are pen pots there as well. So I'll come around with a few pieces of paper and just get into the right mindset. Pray before the Lord now. And in about seven minutes time, I'll come back. And it'll be lovely to hear what God's been saying. The message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light... We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. So I wonder in those few minutes, was there a phrase? And then through praying over that phrase, how did God speak to us? about the truth, how has he steadied us and helped us to put our trust in him and to focus on him? What might we be taking away from this evening that will be something that can keep us steady 
as we've thought about that truth. It'd be lovely to have a few share. Um, so I was thinking about, uh, yet yeah, we walk in the darkness. And I was thinking, how do we know that we're walking in darkness? Because we're not perfect. So there's always areas in our lives that would be not perfect, in other words, walking in the darkness. And as I was thinking about it, I looked up, and I don't know if you could see, but there's a cobweb up there, <laughs> quite a big one, but we only know it's there because the light's shining on it. <laughs> so I just felt the Lord say that if you spend time with him, he would shine light into those areas, those cobwebbed, those dark areas of your life, and he'd reveal them and point them out to us so that then we're able to better walk in his light. So that was my thought, and that was my chewing time with the cobweb. Great, a good visual aid, isn't it? Not a distraction at all. It's got how God can use those distractions to, yeah, really bring out the theme. Thank you, Michelle. Well, my phrase is... Um, I can't see this. If we claim to have fellowship, no, if we walk in darkness, we, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light. The thing is, we know that um, Jesus is the light of the world. And our aim is to be like him. So we must concentrate on walking in his light. And if we do, then we can let our, our light shine to others and hopefully bring them to know the light as we know the light. Um, mine was to live out the truth. Um, if we do, we have fellowship, first of all, with God and then with other Christians, and it's for our purification and to walk in the light. So we have to live it out. It talks about the fellowship with Christ, and uh, it, show, it shows the light that when you fellowship and have an encounter with him, he purifies your life for you. Any darkness sees the light by having an encounter with him. That's how I understand it. This final one there. So... And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So that's the promise of, of God for me. Thank you. Wonderful. Shall we pray together? And uh, hopefully it's been helpful to just slow down. Hopefully it's not been awkward, but just to have time to just read a couple of verses. And... Come completely open to the Lord and say, what are you saying? And Lord, we just, we commit ourselves to you and we know that means we need to commit ourselves to being those that don't just read the Bible but really meditate on it. That like the psalmist says, we want to delight in your word. We don't want to just be doers, we want to be dwellers. Whatever goes in our life, we want to know where our anchor is. And if we remain steadfast in you, 
And if we trust you, you will give us that shalom, shalom. So we thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, where we are distracted. Force us, Lord, to just slow down. Look to Jesus. Dwell on his word and be given that supernatural peace. Amen.